What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Backyard Buckets podcast. In this one, I had the pleasure of being on another podcast, which is centered around women in sports. And this one is called the Untitled Podcast. And who is the founder of the brand and the podcast host has had a great impact on me starting my own podcast. And everything she's doing with the Untitled brand has been really inspiring, super motivating. So be sure to go check out her podcast as well. In part one, I discuss my childhood and the fact that I grew up playing several sports. In part two, we shift towards mental health, how to deal with conflict as you get older and further into your athletic careers. And then in part three, we end with the role of the female athlete in their sport and also outside of their sport. So without further ado, I bring you guys this episode of the Backyard Buckets podcast. Lastly, do not forget to leave a review if you enjoyed any of these episodes at all so far throughout the podcast. Please leave a review, leave a rating. I want to know what you guys think. Jen Faye, thank you for joining me, launching some new content. You know, you and I talked um, when we were brainstorming this. Yeah. That there's a whole huge population of athletes, female athletes whose voices are really not sought out or tapped into Uh, high school athletes specifically. And you and I were both high school athletes. I now coach high school athletes. You are getting into coaching yourself. They, um, they have to deal with a lot too. And I think hearing from their peers or hearing from athletes who are, you know, a step above them in college or two steps above them like yourself who had a great division one career and are now transitioning out of that hearing those voices is really important and it helps them, you know, process what they're going through and expands kind of what they think that they're capable of and makes them feel more comfortable in their own journey. So we've, we put together just a series of questions, which I'm going to use for everybody just so the information is consistent right. and we can sort of reach our younger audience a bit more. Part one, we're calling jab just a couple of questions focusing mostly on representation yep. of female athletes in sports age you first started to play sports Whew. i wish i could remember the exact age but it had to be i'm gonna go with five i know i had the tiny tykes hoop in the house there's no doubt before that but uh you know i think i played soccer i think soccer is a lot of younger kids first sport because mm-hmm. you know you can run around and just kick a ball there's not much to it in terms of youth soccer obviously so i'd say i think probably around five i started playing sports and it was every sport possible i think at that point almost <laughs> were your coaches growing up male or female predominantly i actually they were it was definitely a mixture of both and i want to say it was almost 50 50. um in terms of basketball, definitely 50-50. But again, when I played some other sports, they were more male coaches. So soccer, it was more male. I grew up playing baseball. So this was a huge thing. Really? We're gonna, yeah, I grew up playing baseball. Um, so Little League, I played from, you know, I played from double A, T-ball, all of it, all the way up until my freshman year. I played baseball. And it was my, that was, at one point, that was probably my favorite sport. And I played with all the boys. Uh so I was probably one of the few girls in the league um, at that point, no girls on my team. And all of those coaches were, uh, were male. That, did you have any exposure to softball at all growing up? Or you just. I, I did a little bit of softball, a little bit of softball, but I always liked baseball better. Like there was no question 
I think it was one year I tried to play softball and baseball at the same time. And I just couldn't get, I just, just couldn't get around to, it just didn't feel as competitive to me at that age. Um, I think that I grew up hanging out with a ton of boys and going to the park and just playing sports. And when it came to baseball, again, it was just a lot more competitive than softball was at a young age. It's so interesting to hear you say that baseball was your favorite sport because knowing what I know of watching your collegiate career, Mm -hmm. your, your physicality is such an enormous part of the way you play and baseball doesn't offer opportunities for that kind of body on body competition leveling up. So I'm so, that's so fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, baseball to me, it was just the speed of the game. The, I was pitching also, which was pretty cool. Um, and you know, I felt like I fit in honestly, even though being the only girl, uh, I'd say that I did definitely compete with the guys and they knew that it wasn't going to be an easy out when I got up to bat and I loved that. Uh, but yeah, I just grew up playing baseball. I was going to ask you that. Um, so you were welcome on that team and you found a real sense of team playing, playing with the boys, which is really an awesome thing to hear. And I I think a lot of girls feel that that's not, they're not going to be accepted. So I think that that might be the reason that they don't bother playing baseball in the first place. There's only a handful of girls, especially now it's even probably less Mm -hmm. that will just join the little league baseball instead of the softball little league, you know, even if maybe some of the parents didn't love that the girl was playing in the league, I, I never felt that I didn't belong. I think too, Jenna, there's a sense like, with us as girls, you know, when we're younger, that we sort of are subconsciously fed that we want to be perceived a certain way by boys. And that I also think is what hinders young girls from playing with them. Because if you're like you and I, and you just prioritize competing, Mm -hmm. I think you're going to, I think you're going to be fine because there's a level of respect there. And Hey, we're all here for the same thing, you know, but if you're, if you're going to, you know, maybe, not allow yourself to fully embrace the sport or fully commit to it because you're interested in being perceived as a girl, yes. which is a difficult phrase, you know, to unpack, yeah. mm-hmm. but there, that, I think that is part of it. And it's just, you know, hearing you talk about it now, I'm just so encouraged to talk to younger girls about your specific experience, which is just to say, if you want to compete, compete, right. You know, like just, just get out there and do it mm-hmm. when you, when you were growing up, were the majority of your sports role models male or female? Um, honestly, I'd say they were more male. And mm-hmm. because of probably the, rep- the lack of representation, like it's sad for me to say because how big of a co- women's college basketball and WNBA fan I am now. If you were to ask me about teams in, you know, the early 2000s when I was, you know, a young kid, I don't, I don't know that many. If you talk mm-hmm. about the, you know, the former, you know, the legendary players, like I don't, I wouldn't be able to say much. And it's almost like I have to go back now and do my research, but it wasn't on TV. I knew nothing about, you know, even Tennessee or Yukon growing up. Like I hear it all now, but it's, it's almost sad to me that like, I never really watched any of Pat Summit's teams, like any of that. I never, you know, even Gino when growing up, I didn't watch much of it until probably early high school. So to build off the last question, while you're watching sports, and we kind of already answered it, but when you're watching sports growing up, did you feel like you were represented? Did you feel like you saw yourself and felt like, okay, I can do this because this athlete exists and I want to be like her? Right. I think it's a good question, but 
honestly, I feel like I never, I never went that far to say, oh, like this is, this could be me. I think I, I honestly idolized Kobe Bryant growing up. I have posters in my room of him all over the place. And, you know, I think when I got to high school, I realized, okay, I think I can play at the college level and I, or I know I want to play at the college level. Um, but again, it was like hard, it was hard to get exposure at that point from where I lived, especially I lived, I grew up in Long Island and I played on, I played on, on a bunch of different teams, but basketball wasn't that competitive. There was nobody in my area, like you're saying, that I could look up and be like, oh, look, this person did X, Y, and Z, and I can be just like them. I had to make a change, and I had to sacrifice. I ended up transferring high schools. Uh, I transferred from Limburg High School to Nazareth, high, Nazareth Regional High School in Brooklyn. So I completely like changed my life, um, took a big risk in terms of you know just moving schools. I was going to be a sophomore. So imagine like the middle of high school, just having to transfer, don't know anybody really. It was a couple of the players that I had played from, from AAU. And I went and took the leap there just because that's when I did see myself. I saw a vision of being able to play um, at that next level. And that's what it took though. And that's what a lot of, I think younger players don't understand is you can't just stay in the same bubble, the same environment um, that you, that you grew up in if it's not going to get you to where you want to go. We'll go part two, mental health and teammates. Jen, help me out. Talk about a time where you were in conflict with a teammate and how you managed or mended that conflict. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I, I was not really in conflict with teammates. Like, I, I honestly don't even think I've ever had something that, like, left the court um, in terms of a conflict. And I think it just starts with me as a person and my personality. I think a lot some players are obviously more subject to you know, maybe taking their emotions on the court, bringing them off the court with them. And especially at a younger age, you know, oh, this X, Y, X X didn't pass me the ball. So, you know, I'm not talking to her after practice. And I think that's just part of personality thing. So for me, I was, I'm always very level-headed, very easygoing person. And not that I would avoid confrontation, but I feel like I never really just, I never sought it. Um, So I just think it comes down to, again, just being a good teammate. Um, is going to be a way to avoid conflict. And then when you, when you have it, though, when you have conflict, it's about just on the court, focusing on what matters at the time and then not bringing it off the court with you, right? Realize that in the, in the heat of a game, not everything is going to go well, right? Someone turns the ball over, you know, they don't knock down the shot, that the, the assist pass you gave them, whatever. But it's, it's one moment in time. If you hold that, that feeling or that emotion – the next game, it's going to affect you. The next day, it's going to affect you. So if you're able to take a bad day, yeah, within, you know, ha- you can have, have your moment, right? But then you, you reset and you're good. So for me, that's, that's kind of how I handled avoiding conflict. And I just, I never really had um, some, any, any serious conflict that I really had to resolve in terms of with teammates. I, I feel like I was always uh, pretty chill and, you know, just easygoing. It's a lot easier said than done. For me, too, I think it was more of an internal. I would be mad at myself, 100%. If I had a bad game, I remember every game where I missed. There was two this past year. I missed. It was last year at Texas, two years ago, whenever I graduated. I missed the game-winning shot at Texas. Um, And then I also missed the game-winning shot at Central Florida. Two games, Texas, Central Florida. I remember them still now. It's not like I forget (laughs) about it, right? Right. But I wasn't mad at anybody else. Right. And I didn't let that game dictate or the outcome dictate that next, that next game. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing. I went home. I remember I cried after those games because I missed that, that shot, right? So I'm not – there's no – I don't think that you shouldn't acknowledge how you're feeling because I think you 100% should. But do your best, acknowledge it, get it out internally, right, or whenever you're not on to everybody else, and then come back the next day ready to, to get back to work. So that's what it is. I think it's more so just not pushing your emotions, your negative emotions – onto those around you because they will feel it so what does it mean to you then to be a good teammate jen have you like let's let's do like three qualities yep um i think we'll go along all the yeah i think three qualities i definitely think it's one just being selfless right so giving and i think it's not giving when everything's going well for you. That's the easy part. And I, you know, I learned this too. Of course, I always think I was a decent teammate. That is something that I will pride myself on being again, because like I said, I was very easy going. I think I was easy to play with because I wasn't someone that was going to yell at you if you made a mistake. Um, but yeah, being selfless. So giving when stuff's not going well for you, when you just missed three shots in a row, when you got benched, can you still cheer for the team? Can you still be happy for the the next player on your team who's having the success and who's helping the team win today right so i think that's a really hard thing and especially at the college level so hard based on you know you have minutes your scholarship there's so many different factors that go into that Mm -hmm. just mental you're thinking about yourself can you get out of yourself in the moment it's easy to look back and say oh like you know maybe i should have done this should have done that but in that very moment can you wave the towel for your teammate. Coach Fabry loves to say that. And mm-hmm. it's all about waving the towel, next man up. And can you genuinely be happy for them? It's, it's easy to put on a front. And I think that's the start though. If you can at least, if you can at least just, you know, cheer for your teammate, do this, you might not be happy in your head, but the moment that you can genuinely be happy for somebody else while you might not be succeeding or you're failing is that's that, that's an unlock and that's that's going to really unlock the ability to be a great teammate Another thing too jen is like if you're having a bad game your teammate at some point is going to have one too so right. you're, it's not you're going to be in the same situation at some point in your career and you're going to have to you know you're going to want somebody to have been generous exactly. to you in that moment and, exactly i couldn't that's right? that's really perfectly said you know if you're you're going to get to that point where you know if you gave to somebody else while you were struggling they are going to be 10 times more likely to give back to you. Yep. Can you give an example of a time in your career where you had to ask for help? <laughs> I think there, I think there's still a stigma on that. There's, I don't think there definitely yeah, yeah. is still a stigma on that. And it's, and I don't think it's gender specific. I think it's just, right. you know, people in general, it could be small. It could be a big mm-hmm. thing. Do you, do you have anything from your career where you thought, you know, man, I, I need my teammates right now, or I need, I need, I need somebody else right now, you know? Yeah, I, I think I can give an example. It might be taking it in a little bit of a different direction, more in terms of like Go ahead. skill. So for me, again, I never really had too many instances. I don't. I really can't think of any instances where it was like I need help because I was you know anxious or stuff like that. I never really got to that point. Um, I think basketball was always my outlet. So for me, whenever I did feel overwhelmed or felt kind of stressed I either you know maybe I took a day off and or or I went and I shot more. It was that's huge. Year. It could be one or the other. I think sometimes you're overdoing it. And I've had moments of that where I'm overdoing it and maybe I needed to get out of the gym, just relax for the day, not think about basketball for a day, but that next day I'm, I'm right back in it. So in terms of that, I never really had to ask for help, but I think um, 
for me, one of the hardest things when I got to college was getting into good shape. So when I was in high school, I always had the talent. I always had the skill, but um, I was never in great shape in terms of I was, I was slow. When I got there my freshman year, I was slow. I hated the weight room. I hated one. All I did, all, again, I grew up playing pickup. All I wanted to do was play. Practice to me was not fun in terms of, in terms of three-man weave. And I just wanted to compete. Right. That's, that's a, lot of, a lot of players. When you get to college, you're, only, you're competing, but you're doing a lot of the other work a lot more of the time. So mm -hmm. for me, a big adjustment was definitely the weight room conditioning. Uh, or we have an amazing strength coach, uh, Coach B, Brijesh Patel at Quinnipiac. And he kicked my butt freshman summer when I got there. Uh, I, I contemplated going home halfway through summer school of my freshman year and wow. we were running those court sprints and outside in the heat and I was miserable and I will say I was I was mentally weak my freshman year and it's great though because I knew what I know what that feels like to be at that point and by the time my junior year came around I was a totally different person in terms of being able to fight the adversity physical and mental and at the same time, I was, you know, 20 pounds down, lean, um, just in way better shape. And again, it took, it took two years, right? But you, you make baby steps and you make progress along the way. And every day it gets better and better. Not initially, right? Again, freshman year, I, was, I wanted to go home freshman year. But when I look back on it now, sophomore year wasn't as bad. You know, junior year was better. My senior year, I was, I was winning the races. I was winning the foot races. I was winning the, the beep test that we used to do, right? So just seeing how far you can come if you don't quit, I think that's just a huge, huge piece to it. Um, so for freshmen, again, it's not, you're not just going to be playing, playing uh, pickup and going up and down all day. You're, there's a lot more to it. And there's going to be something that you struggle with, but how, how can you handle it and how can you fight through that? Part three, uh, values and purpose. Jen, what do you, what is the role of the female athlete today outside of her respective sport? I'd say outside of your respective sport, I, I think everyone's role is different. So I wouldn't say that there's a general role for every single person, you know, out in, in life in general. I think the best thing that I can tell younger players right now, find out what you really are passionate about. Find out. And even if it's, if it's your sport, right? For me, it was my sport. I was, it was always athletics. Think about what you can start doing outside of maybe on the court or on the field and how can you kind of build on that and try and make an impact. So if you have something to say, say it. If you want to start something, if you want to do something, if you want to create something, don't wait. You, you know, even if you're younger right now, right? If you have a vision, don't think, oh, you know, I'm not supposed to do this, right? But take action and really, really try and find, find a passion, find something that you can have a career in that aligns with that passion. So that's the biggest thing. I think your role is really finding that what makes you happy, whether it's within your sport, outside your sport. Um, but it's finding what makes you happy and getting started and getting to work so that you can eventually continue that and not have to give up that passion. Cause a lot of players do, a lot of people do. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Jen. because to your point if we're here you know females in sport if we're gonna have a positive impact on the young women that are going to come behind us the impact's going to be more positive and travel farthest if we're doing something we're passionate about 100 percent. you could have said that any better that if was... we're doing stuff we hate 
I mean, that's not a message you want to send. That's not an energy you want to put out there. That's not the way you want to lead your life. And I, I'm excited for you now that you're getting into coaching because you're going to find what I found. It was very, very hard for me to live my life a certain way, but then tell my kids something different. I, I feel like I need to live my life a certain way because I am with that. If you take the court away, like what is my responsibility here? My responsibility is to be a positive presence in the, in the lives of the young woman that I mentor and coach. Right. So, you know, like we're just talking about, if you remove the sport part, you know, what are you really doing? What does it mean to be a role model to young females in sport? Um, I think it's awesome. I mean, just again, I wish I had started everything that I'm doing earlier, whether it was training players or just even just speaking to players doing, I wish I did more community service when I was uh, at Quinnipiac. We did a bunch, but I wish I would, you know, have done it on my own almost uh, being at camp. I love being at kids camp over the summer. Uh, Coach Rabbery has an awesome camp every year. And I, I love that. And I see the kids at our games and then I see them in the community and I see them at stop and shop. I'm like, Hey, like I remember you, like you were my coach, you know, like, and even on social media now, like I'm able to connect with kids and players and so many people that just DM me, Hey, you know, do you have any tips for my jump shot? And I love, I'll be like, yeah, send me, send me a video of what it looks like right now. Help out, see what I can do, you know? And I don't have all the answers. I don't, I, I, I'm a 20, 23 year old kid. I acknowledge that. Right. So I don't, I'm not trying to give life advice necessarily, but I like to, I, I'm totally comfortable speaking on things that I've experienced. And if I can help somebody become, you know, love the game a little bit more, get a little bit better, or make, make a decision that maybe they're struggling with um, at a young age, because I maybe had to make, make that decision myself. It, it is an unbelievable feeling, but it's one that you wouldn't have gotten to experience unless you made that leap and you started doing it. So again, I'm going back to it, but if you are passionate about something, if you have something, some sort of value that you can provide, it's almost selfish to not, not give it out and to not help somebody else. Jen, man, thank you so much. Awesome. So much. Appreciate fun. it. And I'm, I'm so I got glad. a lot from talking to you. It's truly. Hey, Thanks, man. Talk soon.